Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Plectroverse. I am John Tron Davidson from Heavy Repping, and I am here with guitarist for Ashen and all round top dude Nads from Arcanum Plectra. Nads, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure, my friend. It is wonderful, wonderful to see you and hear you, obviously, <laughs> in this in this context. It's been too long, my friend. It has indeed been too long, and so much has changed since the last time we yeah. conversed in this manner. Uh, now, we shall come on to all yeah. of that stuff in in due time. As is customary here at the Bletraverse, uh, I just want you to give our beautiful listeners, who are all very handsome and tall, uh, a little rundown on how you got into doing what you're doing with Arcanum. Okay, so, um, I mean, we've you, we've spoken before uh, in that interview a while back, um, uh, but for those who don't know, uh, actually, John got me into doing what I'm doing. Um, up until I rifled through his collection, I was still using uh, green, blue, and purple Tortex. Those were my those were my kind of go to thicknesses, and I was like, well, I think that's about thick enough. But you know, after trying a few things, um, kind of two point five mil upwards, I was like, a whole new worlds opened up to me. Um, and then, kind of one day, I just in my lunch break decided that I was going to try making my own out of um, bits of materials I had laying around at work, some aluminium, some steel, bits and bobs like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I came up with something quite functional. So decided to kind of buy some buy some plastics and some other materials and and uh, and come up with a design and actually kind of really get into it so yeah and that's that's kind of led naturally to where we are today now for the for the listeners who aren't aware of this and obviously some in the community are what is your fabrication background prior to becoming a pletry uh so my fabrication background prior to this is uh i'm actually an orthotic technician so that's creating um, specialist uh, bespoke orthoses for people that have got um, uh, problems with their feet, problems with their legs, uh, you know, um, diabetic insoles, things like that. So we make um, leg braces, uh, insoles. We do build-ups on shoes for people who've got one leg shorter than the other, things like that. So it's, um, although it's on limbs and feet and like quite big things the the um the brackets that we work to uh, are in millimeters so um if someone just needs their foot tilting two millimeters one way or the other we we make the orthoses that does that and you'd be amazed at the uh difference that that actually makes to someone's quality of life uh or or their gait or um, how they're standing, just these little tweaks here and there of, of uh, like minuscule proportions actually makes a massive amount of distant, uh, difference on like the alignment of the spine and things like that. So, so whilst I was working on big things, it's actually in uh, to to tweak the smallest kind of um, changes in a, in a person's body. So I'm used to working in 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 like millimeters and smaller. So what you're saying is that the transition from your previous or existing skill set to working on such a small scale as picks where you're dealing mostly in millimeters and hundreds of millimeters and so on. Uh, it's not yeah. that there, it's not something you would normally think to apply 
to this sort of area, but they're not no, too far apart by any Not particularly. No, but you know, once once you're used to working on on such a small scale, it's it's easy to transfer that to other materials and uh, other products, really. So, speaking of, we've spoken a little bit about fabric, uh, the actual materials that you've used, and I'm very mm-hmm. lucky to have. Uh, for those listeners who are not aware, I've got some of your earliest work uh, in my collection. Yes, you have. Like going way I think back. You've got one of my. Yeah, you've got one of my uh, aluminium prototypes. I think you actually yeah. still own the Trimaxian, don't you? Yeah, the very which the, was, uh, the which origins was of it yeah. named. Yeah, the the Trimaxian, <laughs> which was named after the um, the spaceship in Flight of the Navigator. Nice, great so, movie. Yeah. Proper films. <laughs> Yours is a very different journey from everybody else because most of the guys in the community yeah. came to plastics first, or they came from wood. And they went from wood into plastics, but you started with uh, aluminium, like you said. And then I've got some stuff yeah. from you that was UHMWPE, and then you went yes. into acrylics. Yeah. So did you find? Yeah. What I know what made you choose that transition, but what was the what was the experience like going from working on casts and orthotics and so on, then going into metal, then out of metal into some of the hardest plastic going and then into your the stuff that you're using now yeah well um i mean the transition from um metalwork uh, into uhmwpe wasn't that big it was just uh, it was the initial getting used to the material because i'd never worked with it before um but you know when when you're working with tools that are used to grinding harder materials uh, and materials that do give a lot of resistance um, actually working with UHMWPE was actually quite nice. It was a nice change. It was, it was very forgiving. Um, but uh, I personally didn't like the tone of UHMWPE. I know a lot of people do, you yourself included. Um, but to me, um, for my personal taste, it just sounded a bit... Um, there wasn't enough attack to it. And I know that acrylic tends to have that kind of plink to it that kind of that plinky sound but i actually quite like that attack that it gives me for the kind of music that i uh that i play which is kind of uh kind of like progressive metal um yeah that kind of area yeah so it, I, I like i just like the tone that acrylic gives me and that that was that was really the only thing that uh caused me to jump to acrylic um over any any other things um it would obviously it's a lot of a lot softer material to work with but in my day job i've i've worked with uh eva foams and and all sorts of other really soft materials so it was kind of well within my comfort bracket to, to work with yeah and if you had um and it's funny that you mentioned that actually because lawrence who i interviewed uh recently on a plays a similar state his is a bit more metal corey than the stuff that you do yeah um, but he he's one of the few people to come out openly and say, "I dig the chirp." You know, I, yeah, I you know yeah. I want it because I want it to be really aggressive, <laughs> and those those two things are very much married together. UHMWPE is a softer, more yeah. blooming sort of tone, but then that's its nature because yeah. it's so dense. Um, now I've seen you go from obviously the early stuff and and that, and you've been using acetate recently. Um, yes, to yeah. make some of these incredible 
uh, pieces. These real swirly sort of uh, like the, that insane pink one and the barbarian that uh, people have seen on the Instagram and and all the rest of it. Did you? Yeah. F- is it? <laughs> and you'll forgive me because I'm not a, a fabricating person. I'm curious to know. Do you find that obviously? Sure. Do you use the same? using the same sort of tools to do all that work or do you find you need to have a slightly yeah. different approach from material to material uh i mean only very slightly i mean uh, the acetate um it does very much act quite a lot like a much more forgiving um acrylic um i find it is slightly more resistant to to working mm-hmm. um but that just gives me a longer lasting pick so you know that's absolutely fine and the joy of um acetate is when you when you come to polish and buff it it comes up absolutely beautifully um and you can you can really dig in on your buffing wheel and really get that good shine on it because it's not going to distort or warp the bevels or the edges or anything like that yeah do you find it's in practice because i know you obviously you use all your picks live and i know chrissy your bassist um uses mm. your picks as well do you find that yeah even so on... does barrett actually oh really um yeah barrett you... barrett started using them as well <laughs> ah you see it spreads <laughs> yeah, it does <laughs> um, but the do you do you find that and this, this is the thing i'm curious about because we talk often about um it tends to be as a general rule that the people in the community, in the guitar community at least, the people that favour the th- thicker plectrums tend to be uh, people who are more open to things like extended scale and fan fretting and the heavier mm. side of things, which of course goes hand in hand with using thicker gauges of string. Uh, do you find that yeah. that material, or which of the materials you work with, uh, do you find is... is sort of the most appropriate or the hardest wearing for when you're tuning down and you're using heavier gauges? I think acetate personally um, has been my favorite so far. Um, Although I'm uh, really excited to explore that with um, uh, another really hard but natural material in Tagua because um, experimenting with that, um, I found that... um, it it really is quite a hard wearing material. So, mm-hmm. um, for the for the current materials that I'm I'm working with, it's it really acetate wins in that regard. I think. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what else I can use going forward. I will say that, that those of you who have seen uh, the insane uh, half chimera thing uh, that I got recently. Mm. It's, it's wonderful to see. Tagawa has tended to be, the approach has tended to be to use it as a core rather than as the, like when it comes to thicker stuff, as the entire plectrum. And I think there's a lot more, you know yeah. I'm a big fan of Tagawa anyway, uh, but I think it's really cool to see it being used in a heavier setting. It's a very difficult material to get consistency with, uh, you know, at that mm. thickness just because the nature of the material is the void and, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. Uh, but I think it's I think it's a great material for that application, and it's it's cool to see it being used in in that wider sense. Um, now, speaking of the picks themselves, uh, uh-huh. one of the things that is interesting about Arcanum, I think, and I would like you to talk about this a little bit because you are much more knowledgeable <laughs> about this than me, uh, is the fact that um, Arcanum is one of the few companies that's got. Uh, 
almost like a lore around the picks themselves because most guys tend to uh, do yeah, like yeah. this is this is my model this and this is my model that but you actually took the time to come up with characters for for the picks and i i would like you to just yeah ex- sort of extrapolate a little bit on the background of that because i think that's i think that's a really interesting thing for the listeners to hear that's it just comes from my eternal need to do something more um I mean, I, I, from from a, and I don't like using this term, but from a marketing standpoint, I wanted to, I wanted something extra anyway. I wanted to kind of like stand out a bit, have some cool shapes, um, that were also practical. But that wasn't enough for me. I'm, and I'm a massive nerd, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a weekly D and D session. It used to be more. Um, I used to have, um three sessions a week um but due to uh, time constraints now that i find myself in i've had to cut down to the one but yeah i mean i I just wanted that something extra and i wanted to come up with well why why is the pick made out of this color material why does it look swirly why this that and the other and that's where the um that's where the law started to come in I i thought well you know why not fuse my passions, music and my Dungeons and Dragons y nerdage? So I thought, you know, I, I, I came up with my first shape, which was the cleric, and that is your your standard um standard size pick essentially. Um and I thought, well, you know, what does it, what does every adventuring party need? A cleric. Everyone needs a cleric. You've always got to have that one stalwart kind of Thing that you need like a healer that can also act as a little bit of a damage soaker and i thought well everyone needs a cleric let's call it that because that's your standard pick and then i came up with um when i wanted to make variations and different um sizes i came up with the rogue for my jazz three size um and the the idea about the rogue is that it's small and nimble and um you know it can do attacks from the shadows really quickly and you know so that's where the road came in because it's it's four shredders so it moves across the strings quickly it's accurate um and then uh obviously the barbarian which is my triple tipped my my take on the classic triangle essentially yeah um and i thought you know well it's got three tips and you know, when a, when a barbarian goes into a frenzied rage at a certain level, they get three attacks per round. So it just oh, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's very cool. Actually. So, yeah, yeah. I think mean, you know, there's there's different rules for different types of barbarian and fighter and stuff, and we could speak all day about that. But back in the day when I first got into D&D, the maximum number of attacks a barbarian could get in a round was three. Um, so that's what I went with. Um, and then obviously those are just the, the, the shape names. And after that, I had like all these different colors. I was like, well, why is this one black? It's because it's made out of the scales of a black dragon. And why is this one, uh, red? It's because it's made out of a, a special kind of magical crystal, um, things like that. And I just came up with stories for each of the original colorways. Um, and it just kind of went from there. But it's a very it's a very interesting thing, and I spoke about this um, a little bit 
with uh, with a couple of the other people I've been speaking to recently and talking about the and we'll come on to talking about the community in due course but one of the interesting things is that this and I'm I'm all for the the normalization as is the modern parlance but I'm all for the normalization of saying I'm actually interested in something so I want to share that with yeah. other people I think that's a great it's a, it's a deeply undersold thing and we both know not to get too not to get too lance storm on this if i may be serious for a moment <laughs> um but we both know and a lot of people in the community know a lot of musicians know what it's like to be in something that other people aren't interested in yeah, uh, yeah and i certainly. think that if you are if you are into a thing and that informs your work and it informs your work ethos then celebrate that in what you're doing you know which is why oh, yeah I totally to, yeah yeah you know, uh, now, speaking of influences, to come on to this, because mm. obviously we have talked about this at length, and I'm reasonably comfortable in saying that I know who you're going to mention <laughs> here, but uh, the, the people that, once you once you got into the game, because I think it was a wood, it, if memory serves, the pick that made you change from the stuff you were using previously to getting into the heavy side of things was a woodland cast pick. It was, um, yeah, yeah. Big shout-outs to Cruise at Woodland Cast. Hello. Uh, yeah. But who were the... Once you got Arcanum underway and you started making and you went past the, the Ice King, which I think was your original shape with the the flick, and you started getting into yeah, your, yeah. Mo, the, the modern era of, of Arcanum, who were the people that influenced what you were doing? Like the other makers, I mean, within the community. Yeah, um, I... I bought um, a couple of bits and bobs from, uh, you know, a couple of people just to explore. And um, I was particularly interested in uh, Iron Age because um, the shapes that he was coming out with were were just inspired. Brilliant. Um, um, yeah, so um, I was more, I was quite interested in, in in finding something that was, was my own and my own shape. And what he was doing was brilliant. And I was like, well, I need to get... I need to get on that on board that ship really um so yeah um obviously cruise um at woodland started me off down this path really um because he was also doing insane stuff he still is doing insane stuff with um with his picks um and um yeah and then i just started exploring so i would say iron age um crows um again awesome awesome stuff at crows um oh goodness i'm trying to i'm trying to remember all the all the original guys that i started collecting um oh and of course brock at bhl um i got one of his um u u glass yeah ones u glass is the serious that, the serious action yeah, yeah for sure. well, that was another level of um of durability that is mm. <laughs> I'm sure it was actually I'm I'm pretty sure that one was actually taking my strings apart at one point. It was I was really punishing my strings with it and seeing what it could do and and, and it was really holding up so I was I was really impressed with that. Um but in terms of my influence for um giving myself permission to step outside of the box and not just do your standard pick shapes, it was I it was certainly Iron Age opened my eyes to that. And I thought, well, you know, as long as, as long as the part of the pick that you're putting to the string is functional, you can do whatever you like with the rest of the, yep. with the rest of the area, as long as it's comfortable, 
Um, and and one of the surprising things when I made my first cleric with the with the with the sweep, when I when I first cut it out, I was like I was looking at it, I was thinking, well, you know, that might that might dig into my finger a bit. And the more I started to play it, it it just nestled in really nicely. It, it gave me an extra deg degree of control over the pick. Um, and I found because I've got uh, quite a slippery grip, usually with an acrylic pick, um, it will turn around in my fingers as I'm playing and I'll have to keep on re readjusting. But that little flick sat, sat really nicely in the crook of my finger and, and stopped it from going anywhere. So it just it was like a happy accident, really. It, it looked cool, but it was also a functional um, piece of the pick. It is interesting that the more that... Uh, and a couple of people I've spoken to have said a similar thing that the more that you go on um the more you make your own stuff the more you, like just by dint of the fact that you're making the gear you start to explore the uh the potential of ergonomics and obviously beveling yeah. and that sort of thing but the the upper sections and how you want it to swell out and I mean you've Obviously, you mentioned Brock, who's the great connector to all the interviews I've done recently. <laughs> um, but yeah. he, his his stuff, he's got that very slight concave and convex thing going on, on picks like the Hodor yeah. and, and all that. But that's that's not something that happens straight out of the gate. Like you've you've got to go there, and I think it's important to remember uh, if you were obviously people who are listening to this the you see it in stuff like the Dunlop flow series now uh, where the yeah, old flow yeah. series has, it's got the prime tone grips, but the new stuff's got double concaves on the front and back. Um, yeah, and yeah. they're, they're evolving that as they're going along. You can only do that by making stuff first and, and see how you go on with it. Yeah. Um, now it's starting to catch up. <laughs> exactly. So coming back to the picks that you were using before you got into this, Seeing as we are now talking yeah. in the in the distant future of the present day, uh, you came from using much more normal off the peg stuff round about the one you know round about the one mil mark for sake of argument. Yeah, and now you're using picks that are three times that thick. Yeah, this is a double question, if you like. How okay. did you firstly? How did you find the transition going from using thinner stuff to what you're using now and for somebody who is thinking about making that leap, who maybe hasn't got into the heavy stuff yet, what's your what is your case for heavy plectrums? Uh, they just sound better. And really, when when you've when you've been playing one for, I'd say I'd say give it two hours, give it two hours of your time. It's worth um, it's worth doing the research. Because you do find that um, a thicker pick can be so expressive. I, I think a lot of people think, oh, uh, um, a thick pick is just going to be really hard all the time. But they really don't have to be. Um, and when you when you have one with um, a really nice bevel, they, ju they just glide through the strings. Um, it's, def it's just worth giving, giving it your time. And um, when you want to go hard, it's got it in spades and you can just keep going and keep going and it will and and it will just it will give you everything you need and the, and the other reason is your wrist just gets less tired everything is so much easier with a thicker pick it moves through the strings nicely 
you have to use much less grip pre um, pressure. You don't have to worry about it um, falling out of your hand because you know it's a big chunky bit of gear. Just just give it a go. Um, honestly, I th I think um, now that I've been playing picks that are three mil upwards, I'm 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 also using like six and seven mil picks now, and it just it it brings something new to your playing, um, and it opens up a whole new world of possibilities. It's interesting, isn't it? Like um, I found that, and I'm sure you've probably found the same that the biggest thing the biggest obstacle to people getting into the heavy stuff is the fact that they often don't get the opportunity to try them in person yeah and i found at work uh particularly when i i've always had you know piles of them in my pockets or whatever and say if i'm asking somebody always whatever they're buying always say like what pick are you using just because i'm curious mm. and they go oh i'm using this yeah. or you know i just use them and blah blah and it amazes me still how many guitarists, particularly guitarists, I have to say, either I use whatever's lying around, which isn't true, because <laughs> they might say that, but they don't want to go over 0.7, whatever, uh, or they say, oh, I yeah. use this and I've been using it forever. I understand why that circumstance is the way it is, because shops, you know, it's, it's harder to stock items at that level. But every yeah. time I've given somebody the opportunity to try something heavier, when they go back to what they were using before, they go, well, where's, where's all my power going? Where's my depth gone? Where's yeah. my control gone? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> and I think it's crazy. It, it is crazy. Well, rather than it being a gatekeeping issue, I think it's a question of giving people the opportunity, because if they do that, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be money. But although I do think you get more pick the the higher up you go, uh, in terms of the sculpting yeah. and all that, and then you get into the collector's grade stuff, and that's a whole other, you know, ballpark entirely. So you've now been in the pick community like full fat in the pit community for the last year year and a half there thereabouts uh i guess i guess it yeah it's times moving weird at the moment but i'm guessing it's about a year and a half yeah yeah and how has the how has the experience and this is a very broad question but how has the experience of the community been for you as you know as a maker and what have you uh the community has been um excellent I you know I've I haven't had a single negative experience. Everyone's um, full of love for each other's uh, products. Everyone's so free with their advice. Everyone's propping each other up. Every time there's an opportunity to um, kind of help get your your fellow maker out there, every everyone is helping out. I I get tagged in posts all the time. They're like, oh check out check out um, Nad's Arcanum and you know, likewise, I've been um, tagging a whole bunch of other people uh, when I can get on the social media. Time is not in abundance these days, but um, yeah. every opportunity I get, I am always kind of, you know, um, trying to prop everyone else up. And, and it's it's just a, a behavior that um, it becomes automatic because everyone's doing it in the community. You just You just pick it up. So... Yeah, it's it's one of the best communities I think, um, especially online that I've ever been involved with. And it's I know it's not the norm for um, I know it's not the norm for the guitar community to be so positive. 
Uh, no, because, not at all. <laughs> but that that is the nature of online conduct, and we could we could have a whole discussion about that. But we're not going to do that now. <laughs> yeah. However, given yeah. that you were talking about how supportive everybody is, I'm going to ask you and put that to the test. The question <laughs> that nobody likes, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of guys out there, a lot of makers out there. Yeah, but in your estimation. Mm-hmm. And this is this is as a as a bloke, not necessarily as a company. Yeah. Your top th- who's who's doing the good work? Your top three makers right now. Three is difficult. Three is uh, always off difficult. The top of my head, it's three slash yeah, four. But you can the... just try and try and limit yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Then I'm going to be brutal, uh, and I'm just going to do the top three off the top of my head. Um, the I think Dragon Picks, Honey Picks, and um, uh, Plectrum's handcrafted on uh, Etsy. Yeah. Um, those uh, those are the guys I'm consistently impressed with their work. It's just um, they they they're they're kind of at the the level that I aspire to, and um, every time I I finish a pick, I just you know, I just think what. What is that going to look like next to someone else's Instagram photo out of those three? And I always just try to push myself to get that get that finish and that polish on everything. Excellent. Thank you for be thank you for actually being straight up and just going, <laughs> nope, it's this. That's cool. Uh, now, <laughs> as we are coming into the dying embers of this glorious broadcast, can you inform our wonderful people out there in the community, what is next for Arcanum? What have you got coming up? So um, I'm on a kind of enforced break at the moment. Um, I, I don't have my uh, workshop space available, but I'm really, really excited for what's coming up. Um, I'm going to be continuing with my Wizards Alchemy series because everyone likes a swirly pick. Uh, but in addition to that, I'm uh, I'm hopefully uh i'm i'm going to be creating my my own um my own resins uh my own colorways uh things that are unique to arcanum um i'm also uh w- which we briefly touched on earlier on i've got the chimera series coming out um so named because they incorporate a, a number of different materials in the one pick so it's going to be mainly um wood uh, with a tagua core uh, or a wood tagua and epoxy hybrid um, so that's going to be really um, I'm really looking forward to that as well um, and I'm moving into the chunk territory um, my uh, and this is this is inspired <laughs> this is inspired by because um, I was I was commit I don't usually do custom orders but um, iron cat uh, yeah. bless him he got in contact and he was like, I want you to make some stuff for me. I was like, okay. And he says, I only play 12 and 13 mil. And I was like, okay. So, yeah. Um, so it, that has, that has kind of forced my hand and pushed me to explore the, the chunkier territory. So I do have a model coming out that is going to be, um, there's going to be three sizes and that's going to be um, six, nine and 12 mil. Um, and for just, yeah nice to start off with it's just going to be yeah it's gonna it's just going to be the cleric to start off with but i will be um exploring 
thicker versions of the rogue um and definitely thicker versions of the barbarian later on as well awesome no the the uh the patron saint of the Plectroverse goes pretty hard man like he's <laughs> yeah man he's <laughs> like I'm not... uh, I, iron cat is just awesome he is so awesome and and the the thing is as well um i don't know if he does this for other makers but when he contacts me he talks to me like we're role playing in a D&D game the the wording of his messages is just absolutely brilliant um so he's yeah man he gets involved and uh i can't thank him enough for uh making me go the way of the thickness yeah it's uh <laughs> the, the the old church of thick is um he is a, a great a great believer in that i think which is uh is wonderful yeah, yeah definitely um, so massive massive thanks to you for coming on the show nads it's always a pleasure we've known each other a long time thanks man um but I don't take these things for granted. Is there, before you head off and wasp into the ether or wisp into the ether, whatever the adjective is or verb or word, it's fine. <laughs> um, before you head off, is there anybody you want to give big shout outs to? Now is your opportunity to do it inside or outside the community. Oh man, everyone, everyone, uh, everyone in the Plectroverse as a whole. I mean, I can't thank them enough for all the support, the the the, uh, the advice, um, the just just keeping keeping my mood up. Um, in particular, obviously, Cruz at Woodland for starting me down this path because you know it was his uh, his work that inspired me to start in the first place. Um, massive uh, massive shout outs to everyone that I mentioned before, including um, and also Trident. Um, Mark at Hippie, um, oh, and definitely huge props to Iron Cat because he's just the dude, isn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when when whenever he visits you on Instagram, you really know about it, and he's just such a lovely guy. And hopefully one day, you know, uh, he and I can meet up in Osaka and go get some cushy katsu together. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. Um, just everyone, man. Everyone's just just awesome. Uh, so thank you to the Plectroverse Collective. You're all wonderful. <laughs> Excellent. Right, well, massive, super extra best, many, many immediate thanks to Nads for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. If you would like to hear any more about Arcane and Plectra uh, and all of Nads' other activities, you can go to the links in the description of this episode. If you would like to come and join me next time, I'll be talking to the infinitely magical Chris Johnson of Players Pick Podcast and Kizo Guitars. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, however, that is all from us today here on the show. So from myself, John Tron Davidson, and from Nads. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> I will see you in due course. So thank you for listening to the Plectroverse. If you're not sure what to do in life, remember, rep hard, rep heavy, and we'll see you soon.